Hi, I'm Greg Burnett, 38 years old from Vineland, Ontario. I'm the president of Niagara Outdoor Landscaping. At Niagara Outdoor, we are passionate about designing and building functional and beautiful outdoor living spaces that families will enjoy season to season and year after year. We strive to operate with honesty and integrity and be professional in every aspect of our company. I am a hardscaper. Welcome to the I Am A Hardscaper series on the How To Hardscape podcast, where we sit down and interview hardscape business owners and do a deep dive on how they became a hardscaper and how they operate their business. I just want to say thank you for continuing to listen to the How To Hardscape podcast. And if you have any ideas for episode topics or business owners that we need to interview or questions that we are missing in these interviews, reach out to us on our social channels. We are at How To Hardscape on Facebook, Instagram. Shoot me a message there. I'd love to hear from you. And without further ado, let's get into to today's episode. All right, Greg, let's get to know a little bit more about yourself, how you got started in this industry. Let's get a little bit of context going for our audience. Uh, how did you get started in the industry? What led you to today and starting your business or actually been operating your business for some time now? Yeah, so I actually got started uh, doing hardscaping when I was in, traveling Australia. I was in Canberra, Australia, of all places. I was there for a year and a friend got me a job working with him at a landscape company. We were laying pavers and on a sidewalk for government contracts. And we're actually installing the pavers on a poured concrete base. Um, You know, I was either running a table saw or, you know, laying the pavers, cameras, you know, the capital of Australia and not the place, you know, most people go when they travel there. And uh, it was actually a pretty cool place to work. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, let's set that up. But why did you go to Australia? Was that, was that one of those work visas that you went over for? Exactly. Yeah. It was a working holiday visa. So you could kind of yeah travel, but they wanted you to, you know, move around the country and couldn't be at one place more than three months. So I was there for three months at this landscape company. And yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty neat. The, uh, you know, they had these hot air balloons that came up every morning and, and that kind of made me realize that, yeah, like being outside, I wasn't going to fit for, for an office. Right. <laughs> Definitely. This is uh, actually an interesting kind of a start to somebody in the industry. I haven't heard this who is actually, you know, somebody who's actually gone overseas to uh, develop their, their hardscape, uh, sort of context here. So I want to st- stick on this for a bit if I can. Sure. Uh, what, what kind of differences did you see in Australia with like the hardscape installation process? How did that differ to where uh, you come back to North America? Yeah, so like I touched on, I mean, uh, they were we were actually in this specific job it was a major project and we were laying pavers actually on the concrete base, right? So it's not something that we do often in our everyday work here now, right? So uh, that was interesting. I thought like, you know, the hours of, of work there was interesting. You know, we kind of started super early and then by we were done the day at like three or three 30, cause it was so hot there. Right. So um, you kind of still had the day to, you know, the afternoon to, to kind of live your life. And now it's like, yeah, getting started in our business, you're, you're working until the sun goes down. Right. So. Definitely. Did you see a lots of paver projects there? Was were pavers pretty popular there in terms of a pavement solution? Uh, they were, yeah, they were, um, like I said, I was only on there kind of a short window of time there with that three month kind of uh, period. So, uh, didn't get to too much stuff there. It was on that, that project pretty much for the whole, uh, the whole duration of my time. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good experience. Nice. And then, so you come back to Canada, what leads you to, to, uh, today in operating your business? What were the kind of next steps once you came back from Australia? So I did a year of, uh, college there, small business and entrepreneurship at Mohawk College, um, you know, and that, that summer, a buddy of mine, you know, I grew up with, played hockey with, um, you know, we'd worked at a, just a small pool company together in previous years uh, as we were younger. Uh, he reached out to me. We both didn't have summer jobs. 
so yeah, we decided to throw some grass cutting equipment in the back of the truck and, and give it a whirl. So you, you start on like the kind of landscaping side of things and then slowly transition to hardscaping or how, how did that kind of progress? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we just started strictly cutting grass. Uh, we did that uh, for the first year. Um, and then, yeah, the next year, we kind of started bringing on some people to, to help us to kind of keep up with the demand. I was just going to say that was 15 years ago, right? So that was 2007. Yeah. So we're, we're celebrating 15 years in business this year. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that business progress from the time you started to uh, the time today where you're taking on uh, much more intricate projects with these outdoor living spaces? Where does that kind of transition happen in your business? Yeah, I mean, it took a lot of time, obviously. Um, you know, like I said, the, the next year we kind of added one guy and then you know, then we kind of decided, okay, we need a two-man grass cutting crew. And my business partner and I each kind of took one guy and went with someone. Um, yeah, the my business partner, I mean, he's he's never had social media or any of that stuff before. So, I mean, he's equally as important to kind of getting us where we are today. Um, you know, we complement each other pretty good. We each got our, our strong suits, right? So it yeah. uh, makes it work. Um, I guess, you know, adding kind of a, our first – the designer estimator uh, was a huge, uh, huge change for us. You know, you're kind of putting trust in someone and, you know, we kind of quickly realized that she was, you know, putting out these uh, estimates that I was used to doing that sales process with clients. And now all of a sudden someone else is doing that. Right. So putting that trust in someone to do that was, was a big step for us. Um, she, uh, she did a heck of a job. You can clearly tell she, she knew her stuff, right? Coming from a big landscape company and, and us, we were pretty small at the time, right? Maybe at that point we had five people and that was, I think, uh, she's been with us for seven years. So, uh, that was probably one of the biggest, uh, biggest things in, in our company. Okay. So then, uh, today, do you still have that land lawn and landscape crew? Do you still operate that? What does the business look like today? If you can kind of draw us a picture. Yeah. So, uh, we do not, we no longer, uh, do grass cutting. Uh, we stopped that, uh, I think in 2019. Uh, so about two years removed for that. And we have a crew of uh, five crews, um, four construction crews. They're all three man crews and uh, one carpentry crew uh, consisting of two guys. Uh, we have myself, my business partner and two designer estimators in the office there. So yeah, about a team of 20. And then uh, if we can get into partnerships a little bit, because that's an interesting topic. Uh, partnerships can be difficult to manage at times. Uh, can you talk about why you think your partnership has worked the way it has over these many years? Uh, what do you two kind of complement each other on? If you can get into that a little bit. Yeah, so he's always been kind of more focused on, you know, the, the bookkeeping, the accounting side of things. And I've been, you know, handling meeting with the clients and, you know, the sales process at the start. Right. Um, so yeah, we each had our kind of strengths there. Um, yeah. I mean, I was a little more outgoing. I feel like at the start as we were growing up now, Trevor's come out of his shell and he's, he's equally kind of, you know, talking to clients and engaging with people there all the time too. Right. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've kind of grown together and, and it's been good. And I'm, I'm glad I, I've kind of embarked down this adventure with him. Uh, I probably, you know, might've given up a buzz on my own. I just want to thank my business partner's dad, uh, Peter. He's been, we've been lucky to have him. He's, he's helped us so much getting to where we are now, getting this business off the ground. He fixes everything we break, he manages our yard. 
you know, every year he's allowed us to take out our row of plum trees to help expand our, you know, build our, build our lot or build our office, whatever it may be. So we're kind of, yeah, miles ahead, thanks to him. And we're just, yeah, blessed to have good families that have been supportive, wives that put up with the stupid hours we put in over the years. And uh, yeah, can't do it alone, right? No, that, that's great to hear. Uh, and when it comes to, you mentioned that, uh, that kind of turning point in your business, you hire that designer and uh, it's, that, that's a tricky thing to do because you're kind of giving your your company's vision to somebody else to put these projects into fruition. Uh, that design process is a, is a tough one to, to kind of hand off to somebody, especially if you're used to doing the designs. Uh, what, what was the process in deciding to go with a designer as your next hire? Was there was there uh, like a moment in time where you decide, you know what, the designer is our next hire? And, and why is that? Why was it a designer as opposed to maybe like a salesperson or anything like that? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we just kind of felt the need to, to bring someone in. She had kind of done some stuff on the side for us as a, as a designer. We were kind of getting into these projects where they required landscape designs and she had done it kind of on the side for us while she was kind of at her other job. And uh you know, we just kind of the demand of, Hey, we need to kind of have a design and a plan for these projects that we're doing now. Right. So, um, yeah, we quickly realized, you know, when she came aboard that you're not probably charging enough, right? Like, so, I mean, that shifted the way you kind of do business. You mentioned you also have like three person crews, you have five crews. Can you explain a little bit how they're organized and, uh, do, do different crews do different things or are they all pretty much taking care of a complete job site from start to finish? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So currently there are yeah, three main crews. We've got a foreman, a uh, lead hand and a laborer on each crew. And we kind of toyed uh, the idea of having like a planting, lighting, finishing crew, but the logistics of kind of rolling that out, you know, we kind of haven't perfected that yet. So they are kind of handling all the same type of projects. Um, but yeah, every employee that's come through our door and helped us to get where we are now, you know, those guys and girls in our field, they're, they're the backbone of our business and, and we're nothing without them. They, they show up and grind it out in this labor intensive work and we do our best to invest in the right. So yeah, blabbing on here, but like, no. yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm getting lost from your question there, but yeah. No, not at all. That, that's great. Like, obviously, uh, you take great pride in your, your team and the people that you bring on. And, uh, you, you, you talked about how, you know, they show up, they, they grind out there for you. That takes a lot for somebody to not only, not only these days show up to a job, but to also, you know, work hard for you, for the company that takes culture that takes, you know, people believing in a business. How do you feel you've kind of helped to create that and, and to get this team buy-in uh, at Niagara Outdoor? Yeah, it starts with showing up every day, right? Showing up on time. And we've kind of weeded out the guys that are kind of strolling in late, right? So, you know, everyone sees that. I hear like Zeppos, they're doing this roll call every morning where, yeah, you're kind of spitting out everyone's name. So you better be there at seven o'clock, right? Um, that's something we're talking about rolling out this year, right? So just, yeah, any kind of little thing that you can do to show these guys that you care about them, right? Like um, just being there. I'm the one opening the gate every morning, right? So, um, it's uh yeah it's it's been fun to kind of watch them, them grow with us and, and you know care as much about it uh, as we do right it's probably kind of form this kind of family right so it's been good 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's those little, little things, those little actions that really build up, especially coming from the president, the owner, the operator, uh, that really kind of leads by example. When it comes to hiring, what have been some key hires that have helped you scale your business to those multiple crews? Uh, especially, you know, after that designer comes on board, where does your business go from there in terms of strategically hiring in your business? Yeah, I mean, the foremen are, are the key part of kind of every crew, right? So having the right person that, you know, understands, you know, how to manage people, has a good, you know, experience and, and knows what they're doing as far as the, the construction work that we're doing, right? Um, just to be able to, to, to lead that crew and take that plan that you give them and, and bring it to life, right? So I think the foremen are, are super, super important there. Have you promoted within for those foreman positions? Have you sought out outside people coming in as foreman? How does how has that worked for you? Yeah, we do our best to promote from within. Um, yeah, ex- example last year we we hired a guy we thought was going to be do it, and turns out he wasn't the right guy. And yeah, one of our guys he uh, stepped up to the plate and he uh, he became that kind of third crew foreman. And then uh, we added a fourth crew last year and he was uh, a guy when we interviewed him, he said, Oh, I don't want the stress of being a foreman. And sure enough, we ended up uh, getting him in there and he was, uh, he was the foreman and he did, did super. Yeah. So what qualities do you look for in a person to decide, you know what, this person can be promoted to foreman or this person's ready for that sort of challenge of becoming a foreman. How, how do you identify that in your business in, in a person? Yeah, I don't think you kind of, yeah, you got to you gotta ask the questions and just relate to them as, as humans in, in the interview and, and get a better sense for them and, you know, what their personal goals are and, the, you know, the life experiences they've had to kind of land you in your office there for that interview. Um, you never quite know what they're capable of doing, right? They could say the sky's the limit what they've done, but uh, until you actually see them out there doing it, you don't never really know. So it's, yeah, just kind of a judgment in character when you're talking to those people and uh, and asking the right questions to, to get a better understanding for, for them as a person, right? As we get into uh, how your business has evolved, I'm sure the way you get leads into your business has evolved. Uh, what, what do leads coming into your business look like today? Like where are these leads coming from you today? And uh, if you can sort of touch on that. Yeah, so they would, they're all generally coming through our website they're driven kind of through our site um you know it started out when we were doing uh when we were getting the leads they were coming from you know word of mouth um you know friends family kind of thing right um but you know that we had a partnership when we first kind of got started uh we did a project for a garden center a local garden center and it was like our second year in business or third year in business and we were probably over our head and uh we they wanted to build this outdoor garden display center. They want to start selling landscape products. So, you know, we took the job on for them and uh, didn't know what we were doing. They wanted a water feature kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I asked some guys and got him kind of uh, a local landscape that was specialized in ponds, got him involved. You know, we, we ended up, you know, knocking that one out of the park and turned out to be great. And we ended up getting tons of leads from that. So kind of getting that partnership, we still do business with them today. Um, So that was huge. Um, but, But yeah, now, People are, are coming, contacting us from having a good web presence. And uh, yeah, a lot of those leads, you know, either they're going through the website and filling out the form, which is helpful. Uh, in the last year with the demand, you know, we've 
we found that it was a struggle to keep up with the leads that come in, right? Someone's in the office spending two hours a day dealing with those, those incoming leads and, and getting back to people right away, right? So trying to, uh, I think Sean from, from Premier said it, you know, he's trying to eliminate the phone number from my website. So people are, are contacting you uh, through through the web, right? So they're, they're messaging them on Instagram. So um, yeah, trying to kind of eliminate that and, and drive people to our site. And, and then they have to go through the process of filling out our web form and and kind of helps qualify those leads, right? Yeah, definitely. With that lead form, what what do you uh, have there that they, ha- that they need to fill out? What kind of like crucial information? Like, do you ask them for the budget on that lead form? Or do you wait for that when you actually contact them? Yeah, so the the budget is one of the drop down menus on our on our form. Um, other things that are on that, I guess you know, kind of allows them to to upload pictures or drawings, and write a description of the work they're doing, kind of how they heard about us. Um, yeah. So then, uh, what what does an ideal Niagara outdoor project look like? If uh, if uh, you know a lead comes in. What is, what is the ideal project that you want to take on in your business, whether that's the most profitable or where you want to go and continue to be doing with each and every client? Yeah, I think we kind of we've drilled into ourselves, you know, all of anyone that's meeting with clients or doing sales is, you know, is it something that we can help build our portfolio, right? Like we wanted to have some, you know, creative elements some cool elements as far as you know water features or fire features or putting greens or outdoor kitchens kind of new stuff maybe we haven't done before you know getting a little more creative in, in the design so you know working with clients that are kind of open to doing that stuff um we're not i guess i shouldn't say not the most creative but like you know it's people like you know rich from from rc outdoor or sean at, at premier those guys are you know pumping out these super creative and they're, they're kind of almost I'm, you know, steering the customers down their direction and the work that they want to do. And, uh, you know, maybe we've been kind of a little more uh, laid back at doing that and, and doing more conservative plans. Right. So, yeah, pushing the envelope on some of that creative stuff is something that, uh, that we're looking to do as well. Gotcha. So a lead reaches out to you. They've filled out your contact form. Where do you take that from there? Uh, do you have somebody that contacts them on the phone? Do you reply with an email? Where does that kind of process start from that initial contact point? So they've contacted us, uh, whether it's phone or, or email, let's say they've gone through the web. Um, we'd re- respond with an email. Um, it's kind of all tracked through our CM, so- CRM software. We're using LMN. And uh, they would set up a time for a phone call with them. And then, yeah, during that phone call, you're going through and, and asking kind of all the questions to make sure they are this ideal client, client that you're going after, right? So you've called them you've asked them some more questions you're setting up a consultation uh what do you charge for that initial consultation yes or no and why yeah so uh it's it's been a topic of discussion this winter there i see uh you know a number of people doing it uh you know i think it's a kind of a new and upcoming thing but uh we don't charge for the discussion the consultation now um, but a lot of people doing this, yeah, hundred dollars fee, and you know maybe it's going back to a charity or something like that. I, I can definitely see us kind of implementing that soon. Uh, we do charge for our, all our landscape design, so we're not doing a project without a landscape design. Um, we just kind of implemented that we're doing three D designs with, as part of that too, right? So again, it's yeah, you're putting that work out there, you're doing that work, three D design. You've already done all the hard stuff. You're just kind of bringing it to life and making it look pretty, and and it helps them understand, hey, that deck that I'm going to spend $20,000. That's what it looks like or whatever it may be. Right. So um, it's been a good tool to, to add that 3D stuff. 
and yeah, it's working out. So before you go out and actually meet with a client for that consultation, which is taking up your time, what questions are you asking them on the phone to, you know, make sure that this might be the ideal client for you? Like besides what your contact form asks, uh, what are you asking them on the phone to, you know, make sure that this is a client that you want to give a little bit of your time to for that initial consultation? Yeah, I think uh, you're trying to understand how they want to utilize their space, you know, their their vision, their wants and needs, I, I guess, uh, you know, understanding their style and their taste, right, to, to see is it super modern, a little more contemporary. Um, and, and yeah, obviously their budget. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an important question. We're not going to design a yard that's not realistic to the money uh, they plan to spend and we want to respect their budget and kind of work around it, I guess. Sometimes it's not within it, but uh, yeah, around it, right? So. Um, and then I guess importantly now is the timeline, right? As we are now telling new leads, we can't get to them jobs until 2023 at this point. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's sometimes it's, yeah. When are you willing to get the work done? When, cause that's when we can do it. Right. So definitely. And then transferring to, you're actually on site with them and doing that consultation. What kind of questions are you asking them to know, you know, what's going to go into that design or what are they trying to get out of their space? Uh, how do you lead that initial consultation to actually know what you're going to go back to on the drawing board and to complete a design for them? Yeah, I think understanding, you know, the the yard that you're working in, you know, the drainage, you know, taking accurate measurements. I mean, all our crews and our designers all have zip levels. So they're they're taking grades when they're there to save a trip kind of going back. Right. Um, they're they're, you know checking out neighboring properties. They're looking at the sight lines. They're yeah, trying to picture everything on site that you could kind of possibly need to, to take apart and use your design and, and make it functional, right? So um, when you get to the plants, you know, asking them what colors they like or, you know, what, uh, what plants do they 100% don't want in their yard, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so then you've got the design made for them. Uh, do you have a payment structure for clients in terms of paying for the design, paying to get onto your schedule, uh, progress payments throughout that project. Do you have a set payment plan structure for clients? Does it vary from project to project? Can you get into that? Yeah. So, I mean, design work um, typically starts around 1800 bucks, but then, you know, they pay 50% and then we send out a design contract before we even go and meet with them on site. Right. Um, so yeah, they don't quite, Sorry, the first time, I guess, when we go there and uh, we're meeting with them, um, we're doing the, the initial consult and then we come back and uh, we're doing the sending out uh, the price, right? We're saying the design is going to cost you X amount and sending off a contract. They're going to sign the contract. Then we kind of start the work, right? So um, as far as the payment of the project, you know, they would require a 25% deposit at signing, uh, 35% the day we show up on site to start building the project. And then project or progress payments throughout the project based on the scope, you know, kind of as items are completed. I asked this next question right after that payment pro, uh, plans, because a lot of the times the story is around payments and that is a horror story. So you've been in business for a long time. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced uh, one or two of these in your time. 
But do you have a horror story that you'd want to share with our audience that you experienced just to help, especially new contractors coming into this space to, you know, know what to look out for with the client or to implement in their business to maybe prevent a horror story from happening. But do you have a horror story here that you'd want to share with us? Yeah, so I was kind of racking my brain as to, you know, kind of whether it's, you know, a full, you know, a failed payment or, or what kind of horror story we had and, you know, they talk about, you know, maybe some accidents over the years you think about, but like, I think the one horror story that kind of came to my mind was in 2019, it was our last year of lawn cutting and one of my crews were, were driving between sites and it came to a stop sign. They're driving this pickup truck with like a long 20 foot trailer and there was an elderly gentleman, 75 years old, pushing his lawnmower on the street from the backyard to the side yard. It's a corner lot. And my guys are at the stop sign. They noticed him walking up towards the right side of the trailer, pushing his mower. And I guess the gentleman just kept walking between the trailer and the curb. Uh, don't my guys make a left turn and the back end of the trailer just swings out and bumps the mower, you know, knocks the gentleman over. And, uh, you know, my guys fool me right away. And of course, you know, the first thing I guys, I got a you know, lawsuit on my mind or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, at, at first he, he just had a scrape on his leg and this is kind of when COVID just started. So he's not, he's reluctant to go to the hospital and doesn't he go the next day and turns out he had a broken leg. Right. So, uh, you know, everything's racing through my mind and, you know, this gentleman, he, he lived with his daughter. I went to the house. I sat down with them after he'd been to the hospital, um, you know, just chatted with them. And it was, you know, being human, right? Just kind of understanding what was going on. My guy was beside himself that had done it, right? Um, I think they saw that in him. Um, and, and, yeah, just just talking it through them with him. And, and turns out, you know, he needed a ride to go to a couple checkup appointments. My dad actually drove him there. We ended up, you know, cutting the grass for them for the rest of that year. We really made the best of a terrible situation and, you know, pretty well became friends, you know, a little reminder to have faith in humanity. And just before Christmas, they, they hired us to do a landscape lighting install for them. And his daughter is, you know, often connecting and, you know, commenting and through our social media. So it's, uh, you know, made the best of a, of a terrible situation, right? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's actually really incredible. Uh, it, especially like your mindset around that, making the best out of a terrible situation definitely, uh, shows what, what goes with that mindset, but also, you know, sitting down face to face and, and working a problem out with somebody, definitely uh, a great story. How about, uh, on the job site? do you have any installation practices that you live by uh, anything that you've learned throughout the years in terms of installation that you, your business lives by on site? Um, so when we started, we were always kind of doing the traditional kind of ICPI rules as far as, yeah, what stone you're using and had the fines in it and compacting. We recently switched to open graded in, in 2020, um, mainly because we thought it would improve the longevity and the performance of the poly sand, right? Um, Figured, yeah, the less moisture closer to the surface, you know, would allow that sand to bond better and, and be longer lasting. I think sand is like our biggest issue, you know, over the years. And, and that's what kind of has caused pavers to get a bad rap, you know, 20 years ago. Obviously, poor installation, but then that, like most recently, is just the sand, right? Mossy sand or, you know, sand doesn't harden, right? So we just thought that was, uh, you know, a change that would help that. And uh, yeah, it's been two years and we've had some good results with that. Um, yeah, we use quarter chip as a, as a bedding layer. Um, yeah, geotextiles, we use them. We use geogrid if we're doing, you know, retaining walls or, or doing driveways. 
Nice. And then you've already mentioned a tool like the zip level and how that's really helped you in terms of getting elevations and getting that design done. Any other tools or pieces of equipment that you live by in your business that uh, you couldn't live without or tools that really just change the way in which you operate your business and operate installations? Yeah, I think in the last few years, you know, kind of the, the paperbacks have helped, right? Like, whether it's uh, kind of one one guy's using there with a T handle or it's hooked up to a mini X. So if you're doing a driveway and can swing it around, like, yeah, we got to work smarter, not harder. Right. So um, that stuff's been great. Um, you know, we just purchased one of those kind of Weber compactors with the roller wheels for consolidating the sand. And, you know, we had a few pavers break and past, you know, bigger slabs. So, you know, it's helped with that. Um, yeah. Having the right equipment for the job, you know, those compact equipment to get in those, tight spots um yeah we got uh, a number of mt55s mini x good steer right so yeah nice and then uh anybody that you'd want to give a shout out here on this episode whether that's uh people offline people online that you look for inspiration that you connect with anybody here that's kind of helped you along the way in terms of your business that you'd want to give a shout out here yeah i mean uh had some local guys that have helped us um whether that's bosma um, yeah, Raymar. So he was the guy who helped me with that pond when we were first getting started. Um, but yeah, mo- more recently there, yeah, it's, it's all been through stuff through social media there in the last couple of years, right? It's Rich from Marcio Dor and Sean, like I mentioned before, that are just pushing the envelope for design and pumping out contact, you know, Matt from Heiner Outdoor Living. Uh, you know, there's a new kid on the block landscaping with Dylan, the guy who's been just super creative with the reels and we've been chatting together, uh, which I little knew, knew a little bit more about editing. Right. But uh, I joined uh, I joined the masterminds community there headed by Jack from Imagine last year. It's been great. Just kind of asking a group for their input when you come across something you haven't done before, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, someone like Vaughn and Co is doing interior work and, you know, the de- direction they're headed you know, it's similar to us to do snow plowing. So just to bridge that gap, it's two to three months in the winter. And then, yeah, like uh, Antonio from Zeppas and, and this mic at Elevate, you know, we just had a call the other night and through Zoom and, you know, we're sharing information with each other to, to help each other be, you know, more successful, right? So, um, yeah, and, and all these people I've named right here aren't even in my, my own country, right? So it's amazing how we can connect through social media. Definitely, definitely. And that brings me to my next point. Uh, my next question, which is a, a big one, Greg, uh, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew from the very start when you first started your business? What is that one thing that you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning? Yeah, so I, I think I touched on it before when we hired our first estimator. We realized that for years we hadn't been charging enough for our services. You know, when we started growing at first, we were you know hesitant to allow someone to make you know, someone else do a difficult paver on a cut or whatever it was, you knew, you know, if you did it yourself, it would be done the right way. Right. So I guess if I would have realized that a little earlier, we would have been a little further ahead now. Uh, Basically, I think, you know, now it's, you know, comes down to being a great leader as we continue to grow here. You know, right now we're not so much looking to to add all these new crews, you know, already booked out for the entire season, but more focused, focused on being more efficient um, you know, focus on more one-on-one time with my team members, training, anything that can, you know, help strengthen our team and, and improve our profit margins and our, and our bottom line. Kind of going off that, when you set a goal, like improving efficiency in your business, how do you go, like, what's the action plan that goes into improving efficiency? Like what areas do you look at? What do you try to implement in your business to improve those efficiencies? 
Yeah. So, you know, the time tracking, I mean, yeah, labor hours are the biggest thing, right? So yeah, we we're, we're tracking those times uh, through LMN time, you know, and putting, you know, pictures on the site so we can refer back to things and, you know, the guys just reviewing the time. So you, you're, you got that kind of dashboard with that target goal and for the hours and the guys can see that we give them the whole job package and yeah, them hitting those goals. You, you miss it. You got to, you got to review it. So setting those goals, this is what your, your goal is for that job. And then actually reviewing it, right. Is it's important, right? So we don't, we haven't done that for every single job, but again, that's our, our goal now is to kind of hire someone in the office this year that can, you know, manage the office. We haven't had anyone doing that. We've kind of, our designers have always been answering the phone and, and that's been a big time uh, killer for them. So allow them to kind of focus on their job and have someone that can review this stuff on, on a more, you know, daily basis, essentially. Right. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. Huge uh, points there. And obviously a software helps with all that and all that time tracking. Greg, uh, where can our audience learn more about you, what you've got going on over there? Yeah. Our website, uh, niagaraoutdoor.com, um, Instagram, Facebook, it's, you know, Twitter, Niagara Outdoor need to get going on some of that uh, YouTube stuff, right? So I uh, don't have that quite yet, but uh, hopefully that's to come soon. Definitely. Greg, thank you so much for your time here. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Go check out Greg at Niagara Outdoor on Instagram. Show him some love for coming on the show. And we'd love it if you reached out to us on our social channels. Again, at How to Hardscape on Facebook and Instagram. Shoot us a message, give us some feedback, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. I'd love to hear from you. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.